Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Frosty says FPR's ready to roll on into Tassie. Yeah, the one percenters we're doing very well. Holsworth's confident for a good result. If I can qualify well, I know we'll have a good result. And the Dunlop series gets an upgrade and an extra race at Perth. We look at all that and more today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Lethal Lee Holsworth will make his 200th race start this weekend. The new Stone Brothers Racing recruit currently sits in sixth position ahead of both his teammates. Lee is hoping his new team will give him the best chance of success at the North Tasmanian circuit. It's a, uh, it's a good track for the team and um, uh, it'd be nice to get the Irwin car up there and um, fight amongst the, the front runners. Another driver celebrating a milestone this weekend is Rick Kelly, the Jack Daniels Racing pilot is 19th on the overall all-time starts list. And interestingly enough, when we spoke to Kelly Racing for a comment, they said they count events, not races. The Dunlop Series will have an additional race in Perth this year. The V8 Supercars have announced the change in format from two races as it was run last year to three. There'll be no additional track time for the Dunlop Series drivers, though, with a total of one hour of racing, three 20-minute races as opposed to a twin 30-minute race. Craig Lowndes and David Reynolds were in Tassie last week to promote this weekend's event. The two bobbing for apples as part of the promotion. Craig Lowndes took out the win. It was a bit of fun. Uh, bobbing apples is uh, something I've seen on TV, never experienced in my life, and so now that I've had an opportunity to do it, it's, uh, yeah, it's nice to get one up, but uh, yeah, look, I didn't know if I was going to drown. Dave Reynolds said Lowndes had an unfair advantage in the competition. He's got a bigger mouth on him, so he's got a more advantage. The two drivers spoke about the Simmons Plains track. Oh, look, yeah, Tassie's uh, one of the two races we go to that uh, our lap times are under a minute, so it's, uh, you know, it happens pretty quick, but uh, you know, it's entertaining. It's a circuit because it's such a short duration that's really intense. Now, the whole field's covered in within a second, so it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a hell of a weekend. Really looking forward to it. The car's quite fast there last year, so you know, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to how this car handles a different track. And they're both confident that the Tasmanian fans will come out and support the event. Tasmania is a great track, great little track, actually really good for spectators. So, you know, if you stand at the hairpin, you can basically see the whole track. Um, so, yeah, make sure you get down there. It's, it's you know, an iconic event. It's, it's a great uh, um, location for us just out of Launceston. and it, you know, really come, you know, people come from far and wide and, uh, you know, really support the Tassie round. On Craig Lowndes' return to Queensland, he helped teammate Jamie Winkup launch Virgin Australia's new valet car service. The promotion continues the activation of Virgin's new sponsorship with V8 Supercars. 
One man who won't be ready for this weekend's event is Greg Murphy. The incident with Jonathan Webb and himself at Adelaide has reignited a back injury and he has been forced to withdraw from the Simmons Plains rounds of the championship. David Russell will be stepping in, the Dreamtime Dunlop Series driver getting the call up to jump into the Pepsi Max car. We'll hear more about David Russell's rustling in the main game on next week's show. Seems like their supercars have decided that perhaps a morning warm-up is going to be a good idea. Four rounds of the series will have the morning warm-up on Saturday and Sunday, starting with this weekend's event at Simmons Plains. Look out for the morning warm-up on Phillip Island, Winton and Queensland Race Weekend events. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. Coming up on the White Flag Lap, Mark Winterbottom talks about his Grand Prix weekend and what FPR's doing right this season. But after the break, Chris Jewell and Lachlan Mansell will join me to preview Simmons Plains. I hope you stay with us. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week is the voice of the V8 Supercars, Chris Jewell. Good evening, Chris. G'day, how are you going? I'm very well, as is the voice of Winton Motor Raceway, Lachlan Mansell. Lockie, great to have you back on the show. Hi, Craig. Hi, Chris. Good to see you. Good to see that, uh, well, we're talking about you being at Winton there, Lockie, and we're, we're going down to Tassie, down to a short track. It's actually one of my favourite tracks, not only to be there as a spectator, but 50, what is it? It's less than 59 seconds a lap, 52 or 53 seconds a lap, makes for, in my eyes, the perfect length for a race because now if you go to that pit lane, you are going to lose a lap if you don't do it right. Yeah, look, it's a great place. Yeah. 51.2 seconds, actually. 51.2 seconds is the fastest ever V8 supercar lap recorded by Paul Dumbrell last year during Friday practice. Qualifying record 51.3, race record 51.4. But you're right, 2.4 kilometres, seven corners only. Easy to go off the lead lap, and it's a very high average lap speed. It's in the top three or four of the fastest tracks in Australia for that reason, and it's a brilliant viewing facility as well. Um, I love Simmons Plains in every category of motor racing, and I think V8 supercars have a, a big challenge there to, one, stay on the lead lap, and two, it's also the closest proximity of exiting the pits onto the circuit with a train of cars coming towards you as well. So it allows you to defend with your pit strategy when you actually rejoin the circuit. So, yeah, I love going to Simmons Plains. If only all the short tracks were as lively and, uh, and quick as the Simmons Plains tracks well, track is, it would be fantastic. No disrespect to the sinuous Winton circuit, of course, Lockie. <laughs> and the other good thing about Simmons Plains, guys, is it still attracts a very good crowd and it's a very popular event down in Tasmania. 
and we saw last year when it looked for a while there that the event was in danger of being dropped from the V8 supercar calendar that the state government and a lot of people in Tasmania really got behind the event and made sure that it stayed on the calendar. So, um, you know, and we then saw a subsequent injection of funding from the state government down there. So uh, I don't think it has gone past its use by date as a V8 supercar event, and hopefully it will stay on the calendar for the foreseeable future. The well, the test is also going to be whether or not having a race four months after the previous uh, iteration of the series being there is supported by the Tasmanians, and that's the important thing there. If the foot traffic doesn't turn up again and the people don't vote with their feet, then it potentially can fall under the jurisdiction or at least the, uh, the in investigation of some of the, the naysayers that don't necessarily support the event the way that they should support it. So I'm hoping that that isn't the case, but I know in recent past times where we've had a race meeting in a November-December period, replaced by a different date the following year, earlier in the year. Sometimes it's hard for the punters to back up again, so let's hope that they are as rapturously enthusiastic about the category because we need every one of the 55,500 people that were there last year there this weekend. Mm. I guess the critical thing is that, uh, unlike a lot of the other capital cities or, or bigger cities, is they don't have the big events coming as regularly. And when we have... Uh, in uh, Sydney, Melbourne, Adelaide, and, and so on and so forth. They have a lot of big events all throughout the year, which is taking away uh, the uh, disposable income of race fans. Here we've got a, a captive audience, as it were, and they're not getting pumped every you know month, every two months, with big events to go to. So people can budget for this one-off expense, and in this case it's twice in this financial year, Chris. Yeah, you're right. It's, uh, they've had a pretty big summer of cricket down there. Uh, a lot of the 2020 games were held down in Tasmania. They actually even made the final, as you might recall, and they had lots of backsides on seats at each of those games. Test cricket's also been down there. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing a good crowd this weekend, and there were some concerns about what the climate might be like there at this time of year, but it certainly looks like it's not going to be you know, an Arctic-type uh, scenario. So, yeah, here's to it being a, a bumper crowd and a great weekend of racing and... You know, it's its 40th year that they've actually, or 40th time they've had an Australian Touring Car Championship slash V8 Supercar event at the circuit. So having commenced its activity in 1969 with a round of the Australian Touring Car Championship, it's steeped in history. So long may that continue. Now, it seems like we all like short tracks, Lockie, but do they have a place on the calendar? Is the series too big for little racetracks? Maybe I'm not the best person to talk to for a totally objective opinion on this as the PR representative for two of the best short tracks, well, the two best short tracks in Australia being Winton and Wakefield Park. But even if I take off my PR hat for a moment, I think that short circuits are fantastic because they provide such good spectator viewing. I mean, the great thing about circuits like Simmons Plains and Winton compared to particularly the street circuits that now seem to be filtering their way into the V8 supercar calendar, is that on these short circuits, you can see the whole track from pretty much any one vantage point, and they provide good racing as well because they keep the cars nice and close together. And I'm sure you'll agree, Julo, from a commentary perspective as well, it's very satisfying when you can call racing looking at the cars out on the circuit rather than just looking at the TV monitor. They're absolutely right, and you're close to the action because the average speed is quite low in a lot of the parts of the circuit, so um, you can get very close to it. I mean, you're only something like eight metres away from the track where the cars are charging down into the Turn 4 hairpin at, uh, at Simmons Plains at upwards of 250 kilometres an hour. So it's, um, 
yeah, they must, they have to continue. And when you consider that the NASCAR circus would be depleted by a significant amount if they didn't go to Bristol twice per year, uh, I think, yeah, that just confirms in everybody's eyes that uh, short circuits and sinuous circuits are here to stay. And, of course, in Formula One world, Monaco. I mean, if you design Monaco in its current era, it wouldn't even get certification to be able to hold a Formula One World Championship round, yet it's existed for so very long uh, as, you know, the jewel in the crown, no pun. So, no, I think uh, short tracks are definitely here to stay, and Barbagallo's another one where you get dizzy commentating them and the drivers enjoy driving them. So uh, it's just the variety that we have, and I think we've got a good mix. You're going to be like Mike King at Indianapolis every year where you're going to be sitting in that new control tower in the infield Chris at uh, Barbagello particularly and just walking, uh, standing around or turning around 360 degrees calling the action. Tying myself in knots just yeah. like we do at Phillip Island every year. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting one that's for sure. We'll, I'll ask you about your tips in the second part of the show but I'm interested to get your thoughts before we go to the break. Firstly to you Lockie, about Vance Supercars talking about investing further in the Dunlop series and uh, well... You have to ask the question, if this is the second tier of motorsport, how come it's been in dirt-covered, muddy paddocks for the uh, entire length of its existence? Probably except when it, goes for, when it used to go to a standalone race at Wakefield Park and then they had garages. It's a good question, Craig, and it's one that Dale Rogers, who's the representative for the Dunlop series on the V8 Supercar Commission, has obviously asked on behalf of a lot of those teams who compete in the Dunlop series. And, uh, you know, they are looking at enhancing the presentation and the facilities for Dunlop series teams, which is something that they needed to do because it really needs to keep up with the likes of Carrera Cup, the V8 Youth Series, the Australian GT Championship, and make sure that it provides the teams with facilities that are up to at least that level when it is supposed to be the second tier of touring car racing in this country. And the other point that I want to make here is that in the Dunlop series, you've got the young aspiring professional drivers or the endurance drivers who've been placed into the series by main game teams to get them extra seat time in preparation for the endurance races. But you've also got a lot of recreational races, the likes of Jeff Emery, um, Aaron McGill or Nadie Kiss who are competing in this year's series who don't necessarily want to make a professional career out of it. They're there because they want to have fun and they want to race um, at a level that still provides them with some decent exposure. And those sorts of um, recreational races, a lot of them own very successful businesses outside of motorsport, they are quite free to take their money elsewhere if they see better value for money in some of the other support categories. And we started to see examples of that with the likes of Tony Bates moving to Carrera Cup from the development series and Ben Eggleston moving on to the Australian GT Championship because they started to see better value for money in terms of the facilities that they're provided with in some of the other support categories. Is it the case, uh, Chris, of Dale Rogers being a great promoter or is it also or is it a case that the main game teams who are now, as Lockie said, investing in their endurance drivers, investing in their development of young drivers, is going, well, we're not going to put up with that and we are now bringing sponsors in that certainly will not put up with that? Yeah, look, I think, I think it's a combination of uh, a number of elements, which, uh, most of which uh, Lockie's just touched on. And, and I think until such time as you see an improved breed, it's very difficult for a number of people to necessarily have the vision to try and replicate what they've observed. And clearly the, the Carrera Cup uh, program is uh, the benchmark as far as the pit facilities and the way they create their infrastructure and the, the team's lounge that the, uh, the drivers and the teams can use as well. So 
Uh, you know, I think as our V8 supercar development program, it needs to be changed significantly to, to reflect that. And I think until such time as Career Cup came on board, everybody tended to cope with what they had based on the fact that there was a limited amount of space. So it's not quite as bad as you just made out at every event we go to because they do have hard stands, storage and garages when we race at Queensland Raceway. And the same thing applies at Winton as well. So it's not always out in the boondocks in mud and under marquees. So fortunately, a couple of the uh, facilities around the country have uh, an environment that allows those uh, teams to use um, the resources that they have at their disposal. So it is on a self-improvement cycle, and I think you know, Dale Rogers is leading the way there, but don't think for a minute that the teams aren't also subversively managing uh, it in such a way they'll, they'll get a better lot for their, uh, for their participation. Mm. One other change that I thought was interesting that got released this week is that when we go over to Barbagillo, uh, the Dunlop Series are going to run three races, not two, but they're not getting any extra track time, which I think every driver who's aspiring to get to V8 supercars is saying, we need to be out on the track more. And uh, unfortunately, they might be getting three races, but it's still only an hour of racing time, Chris. Yep, no, you're right. It's, uh, it is difficult, and it's, that's a tough event for a lot of these guys to get to as well. It's such a long way to go for a limited amount of time on track. But um, look, at the end of their year, their accumulated amount of mileage they do in V8 supercars, and this is the key too to it all. It's all good and well for other drivers to hop categories because they like some of the things that they see. The fact of the matter is some people are just hugely motivated to drive a V8 supercar regardless of what facilities they have. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. Plenty more when we return. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me, Chris Jewell and Lachlan Mansell. And guys, uh, I'm interested to get your thoughts firstly on the uh, television deal, which is currently under negotiation, if we believe everything we hear from uh, the V8 supercar officials. Then they've got 16 television stations bidding for it, 28 uh, international countries that want to take it over. And, uh, well, they're going to get a squillion dollars for it. I might be exaggerating a little bit, Lockie. Uh, just a little bit. I, I think in terms of what V8 supercars need to do to have a new package that's considered a success, they need to try and get more money than what they're getting from the existing television package and exposure that's at least as good as or better than what they're getting currently um, in terms of the amount of time that they have for coverage on the television. But is, Chris, exposure or money the best way to measure what would be a success for V8 supercars and the TV package? Well, I think money without exposure would be misplaced, and I think exposure without money will certainly uh, hurt the team's sustainability going into this new car of the future era. So it obviously has to be both. Now, we're talking about a genuine top five sport here. Long gone are the days where you had to try and justify to people that this is a true sport of a high professional standard. Uh, and, and on certain occasions during the course of our racing year, it's a genuine number one sport in the eyes of the sporting public and the passive observers of a number of the events that we go to. So I think if you, if you look at the relativity between it being a genuine top five sport uh, that is truly national 
over a sustainable period, uh, you have to look at it and an equivalency formula versus AFL and, and, and understand that if they can get anything like 30 to 35% of what AFL get, considering the total accumulated airtime of each of these two sports, then they will have done a good job. Fundamentally important, of course, is it then needs to be um, on, the, on the, the networks live and in a time frame that actually fits in with the, uh, the viewers' demands. Mm. Now, of course, we're seeing the digital rollout continue. We've seen places in regional Australia switching off their analogue service. So the argument about 7-7, seven, seven, mate, uh, Gem or 9 or any of those other channels, Lockie, starts to become a bit of a moot point when you only have digital service. But is... Is there any reason why they should consider not being on the brand name channel, the 7, the 9, the 10, if that gets them the coverage they need? Well, being on the main channel, there's obviously the prestige factor associated with being on the network's number one channel. But having said that, if um, if V8 supercars need to make compromises to make sure they can get a good TV package and make sure that they're not going to miss out on live television coverage of races um, because of clashes with the AFL or Rugby League, for example, then I don't have any objection to them putting into place a deal where they do appear on one of the secondary digital channels. Chris? Yeah, absolutely right. It's all about the races being genuinely live, and if we have to defer to AFL and we are on Channel 7 and it ends up on 7 Mate, then I think you know, people want to see the races live, and if they have to channel hop a little bit to get to what they want then that's of fundamental importance. Right now, to get a better paid deal uh, on a network that uh, aren't, are not going to show it absolutely live, I think that would be short-sighted. My question, though, and I'll go to Chris first, is if our TV package is on 9 or 10, are you going to then just ignore what the AFL's doing with when they're scheduling their games? For argument's sake, say you decide to run a race on Anzac Day, would you run a race at 2pm on Anzac Day? I don't think we'd ever go head-to-head with any of the AFL blockbusters because, um, as I mentioned earlier, we know our place in the sporting cycle, where we exist, and we'd love to believe it's a number one sport, but quantifiably and through the Bureau of Statistics and all other forms of measurement, uh, that would prove not to be the case. So I think it would be suicide to try and go head-to-head with something like a a time-honoured uh, match like the ANZ blockbuster on Channel 7. Mm, all right. Well, we'll move off the hypotheticals and go to something that uh, is just as hypothetical. But, uh, Lockie, I know it's passionate in your heart. And uh, we have the Car of the Future coming in next year. Whether or not that makes for better racing, which makes the TV more valuable, is something that we'll have to see and uh, I'm sure will be debated with interest on this show. But with the new cars comes a new style of setup, a new style of drivers and I know that you're concerned that maybe we'll be bringing skills into Australia which we should be developing here. Yeah, this concern was raised, and I read an article late last week, Malcolm Swetnam from Dick Johnson Racing coming out and saying expect an influx of international engineers when Car of the Future comes in because they'll have more experience setting up cars with the independent rear end and the transaxle like DTM cars and cars that run in the World Touring Car Championship Um, more experience setting up those types of race cars than the engineers that we currently have in Australia. My concern here is that why do we have a skills shortage of these types of engineers in Australia and 
rather than just parachuting people in from overseas, wouldn't it be better instead to look at why we do have a skills shortage here in Australia and making sure that we educate aspiring race engineers here in Australia and equip them with the skills that they need to be able to work on more sophisticated types of race cars? It's an interesting one, Chris. I'll get your opinion on that point first. I don't know that it's a skills shortage as much as it's, it's fast-tracking what is a perceived benefit to the team. Uh, and I really think that's the issue here. We're moving into a dynamic that we haven't previously had as far as the fundamental DNA of the car of the future, which is very different as far as its handling characteristics are concerned. So the unique appeal and understanding of what we've built as a homegrown product over so many years um, is something that you can't necessarily export across into other countries, which is why we've kept a high retention of Australians working on those cars. But I think there'll be teams that will just perceive that this is the right thing to do. And it probably started a long time ago, you know, with people like Ludovic Lacroix when they started first designing Triple Eight. Uh, race engineering cars that used to break a hell of a lot and didn't finish many races but on the back of the high level of success that they've had there has been more and more international people you know across the pond to australia i don't think we need it i agree with uh, Lockie, but i think it's more the perceived benefit of more expediently getting on top of something that we don't have a lot of experience with Mm. now uh, you guys may or may not know this but when i was younger i went to america for a year and a half working in ASA teams, short circuit stock car teams, because I made the decision that I'd learn more in a year in the United States than I'd learn in 10 years working in Australia, I think I was right. What teams at the moment are going to their best personnel saying, we're going to drop you, parachute you into a team where we think we can get you the experience this year overseas, and then we're going to bring you back here to be a V8 supercar, car of the future tech in the... In the uh, in the 2013 year i have not heard of one team doing that yet although it wouldn't surprise me if triple eight have done it with a couple of their people but you know it's an an interesting problem where where are they going to get their experience on this if they don't have it already and are they just going to have the international technicians give it to them and learn it by osmosis or are they actually physically going out there and sending the aussies out there to get that experience lucky yeah, well, in an ideal world, it would be fantastic, wouldn't it, if the eight supercar teams would send their engineers overseas and place them in a, an overseas team to get them that kind of experience. But obviously, the commercial and financial factors are the limiting problem here and the reason that maybe some of the teams aren't taking that kind of option. Chris? Yeah, couldn't agree more, and that's the concern. You would, what you don't want to do is create a huge cost component uh, that's on the back of something that's meant to be existing for cost-saving purposes. And uh, if it becomes into a resource restriction-type uh, environment or any other form of controlling staff you know, leaving the country to do these sorts of things, that will very quickly be stamped out, I'm sure, just like when people used to send cars overseas to run on five, six, seven-post rigs uh, at enormous cost for negligible gains. So, uh, look, I think that the guys we have here, they're technicians, they know their stuff, and we've got a lot of open-wheeler experience. Lots of people learned Carrera Cup cars over the years. I think it would be short-sighted to require a vastly credentialed international engineer uh, to come and understand these cars. I think what's starting to happen, though, is there is an influx of international people coming to our category for no simpler reason than the category has been exploited via the Armoral Gold Coast 600 weekend to be a genuine business entity that has attracted a lot of people to Australia. So there's a happy balance there that I think needs to be controlled. And you've got a situation where motorsport around the world's laying off people and Australia's hiring. Where do you go? Where the work is. (laughs) 
right. Guys, who's going to win? Lachlan Mansell, who's going to win at Simmons Plains this weekend? I'm very much liking the form that Ford Performance Racing are in at the moment. They've kicked off the season with a bang. And I think the biggest question is out of their drivers, uh, which one of them is most likely to contend for victory this weekend between Mark Winterbottom and Will Davison? And based on their current form at Clipsal and at the Australian Grand Prix, you'd have to say that Will Davison is probably a fraction stronger than Mark Winterbottom at the moment. So Will Davison's my tip for Simmons Plains this weekend. Chris? Yeah, but Mark Winterbottom's been very strong at Simmons Plains for the last number of years, so it's a close-run thing, isn't it? But I'm actually going to go for a smoky and think that uh, Paul Dumbrell, who uh, holds the outright uh, practice and qualifying record at that venue and has always been very, very strong there, I wouldn't mind tipping that David Reynolds is a bit of a fly in the ointment this weekend, and he's going to have a race win this year, and whether or not it's this weekend will remain to be seen, but... Just as a bit of a smoky, I think you keep an eye on that car. He was very strong at the Grand Prix as well. Blotted his copybook at uh, Turn 8 in the opening part of the Eclipsal weekend. But don't be surprised if it's the lesser of the FPR lights that goes very well. And, of course, last year, Tony Delberto, he qualified fifth in the four-performance racing car there for the Saturday race. So, clearly, those cars are well-suited to the track. So, yeah, I'm looking no further than the FPR combination. But wouldn't it be nice to have a new winner and another winner in a green car? Yeah, it'll be an interesting one indeed. I, for some unknown reason, think James Courtney's going to finish on the podium in one of the two races, if not both. How's that for really sticking it out there? I don't think I've ever tipped James Courtney to win... Well, certainly not since he's gone to HRT. So I think you get good odds. Yes. Uh, the white flag laps <laughs> up next here on the V8 Insiders. It's Mark Winterbottom. So, Lockie, I won't tell him who you picked, but uh, thanks very much for joining us this week on the show. Always a pleasure, Chris and Craig. And thanks a lot to you too, Chris Jill. Yep, no worries, Craig. Good on you. Thanks. thanks white, flags, uh, white flag laps up next here on the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Joining us on the White Flag Lap this week is Mark Winterbottom and Frosty. Congratulations, FPR off to a blistering start, and I think that's safe to say that's your best ever Australian Grand Prix result. Yeah, it was uh, obviously great to continue the form we had in Adelaide. Um, you know, we expected to to start this year strong, but um, if we had to write a script, you know, we've almost done pretty uh, pretty much perfect. So um, yeah, great start, Grand Prix was a track that really um, was quite tough for us last year as well. So, uh, yeah, one of the more satisfying wins, and hopefully that means, you know, good signs for the rest of the year. Now, of course, a lot of debate on the Grand Prix races as whether they're races or whether they're just uh, fancy test sessions. I would imagine that whenever you're in the car, and particularly when there's no points up for grab, that you are going to be trying some things that you want to work for you later in the year. Yeah, we definitely, um, you know, you throw any bloke in a car and they want to win regardless of the situation. But I think the guys that uh, that say they're not really trying are the ones that aren't winning the race. You know, we, we all go out there trying to win and um, you know, it's a worldwide stage. You're racing in front of 
some big sponsors. Um, yeah, it's a pretty important weekend, regardless of points or not. It's it's an important one. So, uh, um, but you know, we might try things on the car which uh, potentially you haven't um, you know life tested. So uh, reliability isn't as important, I guess. You can. Yeah, but the idea is to have a quick car regardless and uh, try and win the race. So mm. um, we tried some new bits, but um, you know, obviously they worked well. But if they didn't, which they didn't in Will's car, he took it straight out and copied my setup. So um, you know, you, you do try things a little bit, but when it comes down to racing, you're trying to win the race, and um, you know, most guys are trying to do that. Mm. Of course, uh, no points, but there was a big check on offer. How much of that do you actually get? Uh, none at the moment. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, it's a pretty, um, uh, it's an interesting situation, but, uh, yeah, we'll have to try and work that one out. It's interesting because it's the driver that, oh, Frosty Winterbottom's just won another 50 grand for, you, you know, for his troubles and for his efforts, but, uh, yeah, I don't know that it's always going in your pocket. And Taxman would probably ask you the question, hey, how come they said this? Yeah, and it's advertised, I guess, to the driver. That's why it's perceived perceived that way so uh um yeah that sort of uh have to work that one out but um no it's good to win regardless get that that uh, trophy and um you know get the guys another win they've had two wins at the start of the year so uh um you know we we normally have to try and pick a a guy to go up and, and accept the team trophy and at the moment we've had two blokes up in two weeks so um yeah they're pretty happy now, a lot of teams do it differently. Do you get to keep your own trophies when you get uh, your driver's trophy? Depends or? On how the, yeah, it depends on how the deal's written. Um, uh, I keep my main ones, but, um, you know, ones like the Grand Prix and stuff, the, the team keeps. So, um, you know, I think it's great that people can go into a workshop and see our, our trophy collection. I think it's a pretty, um, you know, pretty proud thing for a team to show off their trophies. So they've got two big, shiny... Uh, big shiny Grand Prix trophies there and they've got a couple of big Clipser ones too so um, it's filling up the cabinet but we want that big one we want the Bathurst and we want the the championship trophy and um, you know we'll get replicas of them made so there'll be one at home and one there so uh, they're pretty important yeah of course they are now seriously what's the difference between FPR start of 2012 to FPR the start of well just about any other season you've been there well, I think um, you know, we, we had a, a tough start of the year last year, um, but then we had to work very hard. So um, our guys have really, I think, uh, you know, we've been very focused since sort of Gold Coast onwards. So, um, you know, although we had a Christmas break, we uh, we didn't really let off. So we've had good form since Gold Coast and kept our same staff and... Um, we just sort of understood our cars. We know we've got very good cars. We just needed to understand them. And we used the Christmas break to really go through all the data and um, put all our, our info together. And um, now that's definitely helped us. So, uh, um, yeah, we, we're just in good position. We just know our equipment and our engines have been very good too. We've got very good fuel economy at the moment. Um, just little things that, that, you know, the one percenters, we're doing very well. And that's, that's sort of put us in good shape. But... We're going to make sure that we keep pushing along, and that's why we're trying to bring new components on the car. And uh, we've got our test days all up our sleeve. We haven't actually used any other than the uh, than the start of the year test, which is compulsory. Um, we've got three full test days to go, so we um, yeah, we'll definitely make the cars a little bit better. But 
everyone does that all year, so we need to stay on top of our game. Mm. Now, one big different dynamic in the team this year and taking nothing away from Paul Dumbrell, but you've got David Russell in the team now. How has that changed the dynamic and how has that changed the uh, the way that you three drivers now can all interact? Because, uh, as I said, Paul, a good driver, but he wasn't a full-time driver like yourself, Will, and, of course, David. Yeah, um, it's Dave Reynolds. He's come on board, so he, uh, uh, you know, he's doing a good job. But at the moment, the car is probably getting the better of him. He's trying to change his style and uh, try and suit. So, um, but you know, on his day, he's going to be fast. But he just needs to understand the car, and and when he does, um, you know, he's going to be up there as well. So, uh, you know, the, the, the more competitive the teammates, the, um, the more you have to push each other along. So. Um, whether it's Will or um, or Dave Reynolds or even Tony D'Alberto in the customer car, they're all pushing each other along really hard. So, um, yeah, we've got a really good team. Engineers are feeling the same thing. They all compete against each other as well. They work together, but at the same time trying to beat each other. Um, you know, it just works all for the team. And as long as it's constructive and, and you work together, you get the best result. Mm. Now, how's your foot? Of course, uh, that much-publicised injury, which uh, started your year? It's good. It's been 11 weeks since since surgery, so, um, uh, you know, it's been cycling and um, fitter than ever, so I'm, I'm yeah, feeling really good. It's, uh, it's just pretty well mending and just getting all the muscles around the bone to sort of remember what they used to do and um, other than that, it's, yeah, it's come along really well. So, um, yeah, it hasn't held me back. I was a bit nervous for Adelaide, but once I got to Adelaide, the rest of the year is going to be easy now. So, uh, yeah, really good, in good shape, and I can't wait to start running again, which is probably a couple of weeks away. Mm. And, of course, uh, down there at Simmons Plains, the last two years the FPR cars have been very, very quick. What are you looking forward to as you head down to the uh, Apple Isle? Uh, I'd looking forward to getting back in the car I think when you've got a good car you, you just want to be in it every day so I know I've got a good car um, it was very good the last year and we've made improvements so um, yeah I just can't wait to get out and keep keeping our feet alive and try and keep winning races and Tassie's always been really good to us I don't know why why it suits um, but that's probably been our most successful track for SPR so yeah pretty excited to get down here different time of year different format but um, yeah, no reason why we can't keep our our uh, car speed up. Um, probably one of the better rounds we look forward to. So hopefully we've made improvements a bit more and we get another win. Frosty, always a pleasure to catch up with you, and we wish you all the best for Simmons Plains. Thanks, thank you. That's all we have time for this week on the V8 Insiders' Checker Flag Waves. Keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders only on v8x.com.au.